I have felt the divine. I've experienced the divine in my own life and in the lives of people that I love. And it feels very presumptuous to assume that my understanding of the divine is the understanding of the divine or that the divine can even be fully understood. Welcome to My Spiritual Friends from Worthy Well, the podcast that's here to affirm and inspire you on your spiritual journey. I'm your host, Shelby Renee Giles. Grab some tea and settle in as I dive deep into the stories behind the spiritual awakenings and numinous experiences of people from all walks of life and how those experiences changed how they see and care for themselves and the world around them. We're here to normalize your spiritual experiences in the physical realm, one story at a time. Come out of your spiritual closet with us. Hello, thanks for joining me for another episode. Wherever you are, I hope you're feeling well and connected. So I'm really excited to share this next episode with you all. I am talking with Taylor Elise Morrison, and we go deep in this one. We get into what it means to no longer identify as the religion of your childhood while still appreciating the foundation it laid. We also get into some of my favorite moments in Taylor's incredible book, The Inner Workout. So before we dive in, let me tell you a little bit about Taylor. Taylor Elise Morrison is an author, facilitator, and coach, making well-being and personal development more accessible. Through her company, Inner Workout, and her book of the same name, Taylor supports people's journey to know, care for, and become their full selves. I love it. All right, let's get into it. Hello. How are you? I'm doing really well. I am like really looking forward to this conversation. And also I had a little snafu before this. So I'm I'm feeling grounded again. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. I feel like I feel that way right before most of <laughs> these interviews. <laughs> so I definitely feel you on, you know, taking a moment to take a deep breath and ground. And I hope that's a reminder for everyone listening to, to do that whenever you need, because it's available to us, um, as you know very well, which we'll get into in our conversation. So I just want to start by thanking you for making the time to talk with me, to lend your story to the podcast. I know you're just coming off of a whirlwind of releasing a beautiful, beautiful book, which you can totally tell is just work of the heart, you know, um, into the world uh, that I've been enjoying. And I'm sure lots of others have been enjoying as well. And we'll talk about that soon too. So I always love to start the conversation with how I meet my guests. And this is actually our, although it is virtual, this is actually our first time chatting one-on-one so our first time actually meeting 
but I've been following your journey for, I want to say almost two years now. And it's been incredible and beautiful to watch your vision evolve, continue to evolve, you know, as the founder of Inner Workout, which just is incredible on so many levels, to your umbrella of uh, Jubilee and, you know, gateway coaching, just so many beautiful manifestations of your vision, you know, out into the world. And so I definitely want to get into all of that. But of course, why we're here is to really explore your spiritual journey, you know, and you touch on it a little bit in your book and you've talked about it some along your book tour and just the release around your book. So I'm so excited to just dive more into that story and just how the way spirituality has expressed in your life has continued to evolve. And so the starting point, of course, is how spirituality expressed in your life as a child, you know? So as a kid growing up, what did spirituality look like for you? How did it express in your life from from a really young age? Yeah. Well, first of all, I just want to say thank you, Shelby, for having me. And I'm so thrilled to have this conversation because I don't think I've ever publicly had this conversation in this Mm. much depth. And so I'm really excited Mm. to do it with someone like you, who I know is going to hold such beautiful space for this conversation. And I grew up evangelical Christian. So growing up, like I can remember the first time I like, quote unquote, asked Jesus into my heart, um, Mm. which really was kind of from a place of fear because I was like afraid I was going to go to hell. Mm. So that kind of tells you some of the experience (laughs) that I had. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I went to a church that was non-denominational, that was diverse, but was primarily white. And my spirituality was like going to church on Sunday mornings going to Awana, which is kind of like Christian Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts on Wednesday nights. And I went to a private Christian school from third grade through high school. So faith and spirituality was really interwoven throughout like my whole life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's such a such an interesting foundation to spring from. Having a Christian-based education, which is something that I didn't necessarily have, although I went, I, you know, I grew up in the South, I grew up in Virginia, and um, you know, we definitely said the Pledge of Allegiance every morning, and there was a there was a faith-based undertone. But going to a Christian school, how do you feel that began to shape your sense of spirituality at a young age? Yeah, I think. Well, that was interesting because my Christian school was denominational. So it was Christian Reformed, which tends to be like Dutch Christian Reformed. So I had a lot of people whose like grandparents and great grandparents emigrated from the Netherlands. And the theology of what was taught was Calvinism, which if you Mm. are aware of Calvinism, they believe in like predetermination. So like some people are destined to go to heaven. Some people are destined to go to hell. It's a pretty Mm. heavy and strict theology. And I didn't 
learn all of that when I was a kid. But I definitely like even the fact that I'm sitting here and bringing up things like Calvinism and predetermination, like I learned a lot of theology growing up. Mm -hmm. And the way that I thought about Christianity, like, yes, was about the the friends that I made and the things that we got to do at church, many of which were really fun, but there also was an element of like, we need to be preaching the gospel and like certain people are destined to go to hell. And when is Jesus coming back? And like, are you going to be left behind? I remember watching the left behind movies and reading like the left behind books and being kind of traumatized from it because I was like, so the rapture can just happen at any time and all these people are going to disappear. And what if I'm not actually a Christian and my parents leave me? Like it caused a lot of anxiety mm-hmm. for me as a child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can totally understand why that would cause anxiety. And at what point did you start to see a different perception or a different context? Was there something that kind of evolved very slowly for you? Or was there a big moment that you remember that really catalyzed a shift in your own perspective of spirituality and religion? Yeah, I feel like it was slow, but there were definitely flashpoints. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. like, I became more and more of a progressive Christian over time. And what some people Mm -hmm. would call like a red letter Christian, as in like the old Bibles used to have the letters of Jesus, what Jesus actually said Mm -hmm. in red. (laughs) And like, Jesus was pretty radical. Like he was Mm -hmm. a socialist and he was hanging out with Mm -hmm. prostitutes and like Mm -hmm. all of these things that I could see vilified in some ways that the church was structured, especially in the United States, but like seem to be in conflict with the things that Jesus himself valued. So I started going more and more along that route. Mm -hmm. And then there were moments where like I did yoga teacher training and my training was really focused in the yogic philosophy. So we were learning like Hindu spiritual text and realizing that like, oh, these people believe something really different than what I was taught to believe. But at the end of the day, they're having very similar values. And we actually had a world religions class in high school where we did talk about the fact that like the principles for most religions are the same. But the point of that class was like, but here's the small places where it's different and here's why Christianity is better. And I kind of got to this Mm. place where I was like, is Christianity really better? And like, if I was born on the other side of the world, do I really believe that I would be destined to go to hell just because I was brought up in the religion that is popular in that part of the world? I will Mm -hmm. also say there are elements of race, both thinking about like, Trayvon Martin being killed, which was a catalyzing moment for me in my life to really think about like, I was always aware of these realities, but to really sit with the fact that there were people in the church who were upset that we were talking about the fact that these realities existed. Mm -hmm. And it was like, huh, are you really serving Jesus or are you serving America and like the premise of what America was built on, which is on the backs of black people and indigenous people and saying that 
that's Christianity. So I started to have questions about that. There was the whole thing of Trump getting voted in and people saying like, well, it's we're just doing it because like the Supreme Court and to save babies from abortion. But like, really, like, is that really it? I just started to notice that. And yeah. really what happened was like, kind of a nothing thing happened. We had a church that we were happy at, that we'd built a community at. We tried a different church closer to us because we moved. And for my husband and I both, it reminded us of some of the best pieces of our churches growing up. So then we were left with like, Mm. do we stay at this church where we have built a deep community or do we try this church that is closer to us and is a little smaller and has some things that we didn't realize we were missing? And we couldn't decide. So we just kind of paused (laughs) on going to church and I haven't gone regularly to church since it's like i had mm-hmm. been going to church all my life and once i gave myself mm-hmm. a break it was like oh oh here are more things that i have questions about here are more things that i don't know that i fully mm. believe and that's kind of how it happened yeah that's so beautiful and it sounds like the time frame was it around um was it between kind of like 2019 and 2022 or so or no it started before that i would say mm-hmm. like I in 2016 I still would have considered myself a Christian but like pretty progressive mm-hmm, Christian. Mm-hmm. I think in 2018 is maybe when this happened when we mm. like started looking at other churches and stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know when I really admitted that like I didn't consider myself I didn't identify as being a Christian anymore. I think maybe I mm-hmm. started telling close people in 2019 2020 but it hasn't been this big like public declaration. I'll just like, mm-hmm. as it comes up, I'll mm-hmm. mention it to people. And I think it's surprising to people because I used to know so much theology. And I mean, I still know a lot of theology and just be such like a poster child for evangelical Christianity. So I think it's surprising mm-hmm. for some people mm-hmm. that I've gone down this path. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. And oftentimes it's, you know, people who knew us in a, in a particular light or context that are most surprised about these shifts in thinking. And um, even though I talk, you know, around this so much um, through Worthy Well and on the podcast, of course, I don't think that I've ever actually said outright that I don't identify as a Christian either. And I think the beautiful thing about that is when you and I, I talked about this a little bit in my newsletter recently, the self devotional, this concept of of being everything, you know, um, Reverend Michael Bernard Beckwith, actually, I think it was actually one of his practitioners who said this, he was traveling, and someone else gave the message, but the practitioner, I can't remember their name, I wish I could, said, the divine is against nothing, you know, and so I feel that sometimes when people hear, oh, I'm not, I don't identify as a Christian, I don't identify as this, what people fail to realize, I think, sometimes is that it really creates space for everything that is genuinely aligned with your um, spiritual journey. And so I know for me, I still lean on the foundation that was built as growing up Baptist, you know, but 
I have been able to just experience so many other aspects of spirituality that I wouldn't necessarily experience if I kept myself in this very finite Christian box. And so to your point about, you know, learning uh, through your yoga teacher training, which um, I know was a big inspiration behind the framework that you created for inner workout, you know, all of it is, is relevant in some way. And it's, it's really paying attention to what we feel most connected to in any given moment. And, and I feel like that's what it's really all about. So I, I love that you are making that declaration, you know, publicly and, and I'm right there with you. (laughs) And so it's really, um, it's really freeing for a lot of people because even though there may be judgment from, you know, one or two people, it also may be just that they are not yet at a place where they understand um, the vastness of this spiritual existence that we're in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so now that you're at this place, uh, what does your your spiritual practice look like? Um, how do you sustain yourself from a spiritual perspective um, now that you've really kind of opened the doors, you know, to just any and everything that truly aligns, you know, with you at a soul level? I love this question. I will say before I get to where it's at now, when I first decided like, oh, I'm not a Christian anymore, um, I immediately wanted to be something else. Mm. And so I was Mm. like, am I a Buddhist then? Am I a Hindu Mm. then? Am I like, I wanted some other box to put myself into. Mm. And what I have come to is I identify most strongly with being agnostic. Like I know Mm. that there Mm -hmm. is something bigger than us. I have Mm -hmm. felt the divine. I've experienced the divine in my own life and in the lives of people that I love. And Mm -hmm. it feels very presumptuous to assume that my understanding of the divine is the understanding of the divine or that the divine Mm. can even be fully understood. So that's kind of where I'm at, where it's like, Mm. there's this thing that's bigger. I'm not that concerned about defining it. And honestly, I don't know that it like makes me a better person or Mm -hmm. increases my ability to do what I'm here to do on this earth to spend so much of my time trying to define it, which is a big Mm -hmm. shift for me because again, like as someone who could tell you different names of God and like all of these different things from the Bible and who'd spent a lot of time in school and on my own, like trying to understand the Christian conceptualization of God, mm-hmm. it feels pretty big to be like, oh, wait, maybe we don't have to understand it. Maybe that's not the biggest thing, which I guess mm. brings me to now, which is funny because the book, it's since been changed on Amazon, but one of the things that it was originally placed under was humanist philosophy, which mm. I was like, is it humanist philosophy? But it kind <laughs> of is. Like, I talk about thinking about something bigger than you, but it's a lot about you getting to know yourself. And Mm -hmm. I think that comes to bear in my spiritual practices. So yes, I 
journal when I feel moved to journal, but it's not even like at this point in my life, it's not necessarily an everyday thing. It's like there's something that needs to come out of me. And so I'll spend some time journaling. And that is a spiritual practice to me. Um, There might be moments where it feels supportive to pull a card. I just got this black tarot deck that is gorgeous. And I like to pull from that. I have another one that's called, I think it's the Akamara Tarot, and it incorporates these like masks from different African cultures. That's really beautiful. Wow, that sounds amazing. It's it's gorgeous. Um, I'll occasionally pull from that or like a traditional tarot. And it's not that the cards have the answers. It's again, that it's something that brings me back to myself and my understanding. Mm-hmm. Astrology is fun for me now. But I like to say Mm -hmm. that, like, I'm aware enough of what's happening in astrology. And also, I would probably sign a contract during Mercury retrograde. So it's not like (laughs) it's a construct that rules my life. It's a construct that helps me understand myself. But some of my Mm -hmm. most, like, deeply spiritual practices are, like, moving my body every day, being present Mm -hmm. in my body, being grateful for my body, doing a breath-based meditation, And realizing Mm -hmm. what a miracle it is that I'm breathing and that my body is doing this thing. So it felt like an accident that it was categorized under humanist philosophy. But I do think that there Mm. is a lot of humanism in how I see the world and how I think about spirituality. Yeah, that's so beautiful. That's so beautiful. Um, And the deck, the tarot deck, the first one you mentioned, I wonder if it's the same one I have. Is it, um, is it? I think it's Tazama African Tarot, but it just has these gorgeous, vibrant colors. And the pictures are actually of, um, they are ancestral images of Black and African people. But it's it's like so gorgeous. So when you mentioned yours, I was like, I wonder if it's the same one. <laughs> I think mine's different, but I think I also need yours. So <laughs> I was going to say, like, well, we maybe need I need, yeah, yeah, we need to like, get the one that we each talked about. (laughs) Yeah. And I love that there's more representation in those decks, you know, in those tools, because that's also, you know, so important when we are seeking that wisdom from within ourselves, when we connect with it on a, on a, um, like seeing ourselves level, I feel like that just, brings out more of that inner wisdom, you know, than it would otherwise. So, And to build on that, I think there's a reason why, like, I do, so my first tarot deck was just, like, it's Mystic Mondays, it's a pretty deck, but, like, didn't have representation, but something that I've Mm -hmm. felt really drawn to, I think especially because of my upbringing in a white evangelical church, is wanting to whatever spiritual practices that I do to see myself represented in them. And it there's mm-hmm. like a, a reclamation that I think I have for myself in that yes. intentionality. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's such a good point, especially from, you know, coming from an evangelical background, because we all know that those often more often than not, those images do not look like us, you know, when it actually made no sense that they didn't. <laughs> so I'm glad you mentioned that. And uh, and you mentioned, you know, of course, um, how your book was categorized on Amazon being this happy accident. 
And that actually brings me to one of my favorite um, sections of your book, which is uh, chapter seven. I actually have have it right here. So chapter seven on wisdom, you know, tapping into the wisdom within you. And um, I mentioned this to you when I reached out about the podcast, but you have this one uh, section where you recall being at church and, you know, church people telling you that you had this gift of discernment. And I'll actually, um, I love the way you describe it. You say before personality assessments had their day in the sun, churchgoers talked about spiritual gifts. And our family friend told me that I had the gift of discernment. And I felt so seen when when I read that, and I'm sure a lot of others uh, did as well. And it's also such a good um, indicator for this innate knowing that I believe in, exists in all of us around what is true. So you mentioned before, um, we don't need to understand the vastness of God in order to, you know, live our lives. Like we're supposed to tune into ourselves and seek that wisdom within so that we are guided by the, the God that exists in us. And who knows, you know, you could share if you'd like, but you know, who knows where your aunt or, you know, whomever was at church, um, was, you know, from a spiritual perspective and their journey. But I know uh, for me, it was always like the, the church elders who, you know, would come up to me and say things like, you're anointed or, you know, you have this thing. And it felt very, um, it felt very much like spirit was speaking through them, you know, and to that point, I think that regardless of where you are on your spiritual journey, I think we all have this deep knowing of just the vastness of spirituality and, and the vastness of our existence. And so it's talked about, it's spoken about in so many different ways, but when you have that little inkling um I also, it, it brings me back to this um, time in, when I lived in D.C., I was at the Metro and this um, seemingly, you know, houseless uh, man came up to me and he was just like, I'm one of those people who just talks to everybody. <laughs> and he came up to me, I was on the platform waiting for the train and he just looked at me for a second and he was just like, you're anointed, aren't you? And I said, well, I do get that a lot. <laughs> I do get that a lot. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, I thought so. <laughs> but it's just so interesting how you receive certain messages from different people that you may not expect sometimes, but we're all, you know, those channels for one another, I feel, you know? And so thinking back to your experience of you know, being told that you have this gift of discernment, how did it make you feel when when people would say that to you, that you have this gift? Hmm. I don't know that I, I think it felt validating. Mm -hmm. I don't know that it 
like it was funny. I when I was writing it, I hadn't really sat and thought about it since that moment. And I was just like, mm. oh yeah. They told me that. And that mm-hmm. is a gift that I remember like looking at the different spiritual gifts and feeling like that was a gift that I had. Mm-hmm. And also then having the validation of someone else be like, oh, I see that in you as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think it was a nice little like, oh, this isn't like self-aggrandizing. Yeah. It's not just in my head. Um, it's something that other people can see in me as well, or this person specifically could see in me as well. And it is interesting to go back and look on it and see how, for me at least, the way that my upbringing was. Like, I remember memorizing the verse, like, the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? And the mm-hmm. it, essentially, it's like, don't trust your heart. Like, your heart, your inner voice, quote unquote, is going to lead you astray. Like, the only thing that you should trust is Jesus and the Holy Spirit and God. But then at the same time to have a message to be like, oh, there actually is something within you that you can trust. And the messaging there was like, oh, but it, it's coming from this external source that you're able to validate. But now mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that that's that's powerful. And I don't think I realized how powerful that was until I'm sitting here now looking through the rear view mirror. Mm-hmm. That was a tongue twister. <laughs> <laughs> and totally worth it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's so beautiful to be able to look back, you know, I know in that portion of the book, you go on to talk about how you used that discernment and all of, you know, your different career moves and, you know, trusted yourself to make these different, you know, changes, even if from the outside looking in, it didn't seem logical or like it made sense to people it made sense to you and you followed that path and and I'm I'm assuming now you see how all of that has supported you every single experience you've ever had has supported you and everything that you're building now today so it's really beautiful to see that yeah it's even of the times where I'm like discouraged or like, why did I do that? Or, and it's not to say that I haven't made mistakes or things that I would do differently, mm-hmm. but so many of my experiences have given me the exact skill sets and perspective that allow me to do my work right now. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. It really is. And speaking of your work, uh, can you talk a little bit about how your spiritual journey? led you to uh, the work you're doing now, how you made that connection? Because I see so much of, of that in, um, in our workout and, um, you know, gateway coaching, your desire to really help others, you know, self-inform, you know, their journey through getting the support they need. So how did you kind of I guess, make the connection between well-being and in your work? That is a great question. And I think the best way I can answer it is that it just kind of unfolded. Like it, mm-hmm. it was that discernment that like taking that best next step. And it started with me where yeah. I realized I was burned out. Mm-hmm. How can I restructure my life so that this isn't the reality all of the time that I'm 
fine for a little bit and then I'm overwhelmed and burned out. Yeah. So there was that aspect of things. There was talking about my journey with others and realizing that I wasn't the only person who was experiencing these things. Mm-hmm. And there is a willingness to, like the definition I use for self-care is listening within and responding in the most loving way possible. And I feel like that is so evident in all of my work in many ways, like listening to myself and responding with love, listening to the people in my community and responding with love, listening to the business. Like I believe that businesses are like these separate mm-hmm. entities. And so listening to the entity mm-hmm. of my business and responding with love and as I've leaned more into doing work around coaching and even overall, like I believe that my life's mission is to connect people to their inner wisdom. So Mm -hmm. I only want to share my story in so much as it helps you connect deeper to yourself Mm -hmm. and in getting to coach and getting to facilitate, like my joy is in holding that space for people to connect the dots yeah. And to play around with trusting themselves more. It's just like so fulfilling. And it started with me learning how to do that for myself and continuing to learn how to do that for myself. Yes. I love that so much. And I I love one of my favorite things is to watch people talk about and light up about the thing that lights them up. And so it's just a pleasure to witness you um, being lit up by all the beautiful work that you're doing. So thanks for sharing that. And speaking of the work starting with you, um, I'm sure you, I think I'm pretty sure I've heard you say this and even um, in the book, but, you know, this is always a continued journey, you know, and so where you are in your well-being, spiritual journey, right now, what do you feel like you're learning the most right now in your journey? I'm laughing because I'm like, (laughs) I feel like the universe is teaching me so many things right now. (laughs) Like literally yesterday, I was talking to a friend and I was like, talking about business finances and just being like, I'm used to having like, so, so much like being able to pay myself through the end of the year or months ahead. And things are tighter than I'm used to. And it's still for most people, like pretty Mm -hmm. abundant. But for me, I'm like, ooh, I do not like this. (laughs) And so my friend, who's also my business partner for the Lifestyle Business League, she was just encouraging me. Like, I think the lesson here is that you don't need to do anything else. You just need to let things come to you and just rest. Mm -hmm. She has this mantra, when I rest, I receive. And she's like, Mm -hmm. I think you need to do that. That was yesterday. Today. I've gotten emails for three paid opportunities. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> not like did not do anything. Oh, I love it. Had these things coming in, and it was just like, oh yeah, okay, mm-hmm. noted. So I don't need to keep trying to make things happen. I just need to trust more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's been a big thing. Another thing, I feel like I'm sharing a lot of wisdom that has been shared with me, but it's important. I I like to do a solar return reading. Mm. And this year I got my reading with uh, Jordan Schomer, who's great. And one of the things that was shared with me was that this year I needed to learn how to, two things actually. One was I need to learn how to sit in the unknown long enough for it to be known. Mm. And 
so just knowing like, ooh, I, I don't have all of the answers. I see where I'm going. Like I have this beautiful vision for my crone self. And yet I'm here and I'm 30. And I don't mm-hmm. know exactly what's going to have to happen to, for me to get there. But to be willing to sit in that unknown. Mm. The other thing that Jordan shared was that this year could be such a space for expansion and growth if I allowed myself to be seen as anything less than perfect. And that has been a huge Mm. lesson to own up to where I make mistakes more, to be more and more public about like, I tried this thing and this didn't work and here's why. And it's been wild to see that me showing up in what I think are mistakes and people saying, actually, you're an amazing leader. I love the way that you lead. I love your transparency and authenticity that like before I thought I was leading great by trying to make everything look perfect. (laughs) And it turns out that actually the opposite was true. So those Mm. are three things that I'm learning right now. I could keep going, but I feel like that's good. (laughs) Well, those are three very just potent things, you know, to be learning, uh, all at once, <laughs> all at once. Um, so thank you for sharing those. And I love that you get solar return readings. I'm actually approaching my 40th year and I've never done a solar return reading. I follow astrology and like, you know, um, my transits and, and stuff, uh, on a weekly basis of kind of a nerd about it, but I've never done a solar return reading. And this sounds like the perfect, <laughs> you know, time to do it. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, But yeah, those are, those are some really potent lessons. And the one that I connect with the most that you mentioned is the one about perfectionism, you know, growing up, I definitely think there's a, I know for me, um, a being black in America aspect of, of that, where, Um, especially growing up in the South, moving to a predominantly white area, you know, as a teen. Um, And even when I lived in a predominantly black area, being told that I, you know, still hearing the same things, being told that you need to be twice as good to get, you know, half as far or whatever it is. Lots Lots of different ways to, you know, tell us that we had to be perfect. And I think, the journey for me lately has been um, one kind of mantra that I've been saying to myself is um, I honor the call with excellence. And it kind of, um, I, I hate the term black excellence. I'll just put that out there. <laughs> so not in that context, but what I mean when I say, cause I believe all, all of us are excellent, you know, all, all black people are excellent. So there, there, there is no group of black people that are not excellent, you know, but what I um, mean when I say excellence is just honoring the work with reverence, you know, and um, being attentive to it, but not in a way of making it perfect, just honoring it as a practice in and of itself and and that the imperfection is part of the practice too you know and so I love that you mentioned that because I feel that so many of us are working to overcome the conditioning around needing to be perfect you know needing to seem like everything is you know perfect so I love that that that's a part of your journey and 
We already talked a little bit about some of your staple spiritual practices. So, and usually I ask that at the very end, and I want to actually transition into one of my favorite questions that I ask everyone, which is uh, more of a hindsight question. So knowing what you know now about your spiritual journey, what advice would you give your younger self knowing what you know now? I think it would be to, I'm going to say this and I'll probably massage it as I say it, but like my knee jerk reaction is to like be a little bit more humble and Mm. I don't know exactly how I would achieve that because I literally was taught like my religion is the right religion and Mm. everyone else's religion like is wrong. So I had a certain amount of pride because Mm. I was taught and you could argue kind of like brainwashed that my religion was superior. Mm. But I, I wish like I look back on some of the conversations that I had with people in college and I wish I would have been so much more open to learning from people, not as like a project or not to like save them, but really like their experience and their spirituality and their religion had so much to teach me, but I was too busy like wanting to get in my counterpoints for how Mm. Christianity was actually right. Mm. That is such a word. Thanks for sharing that. And thanks for sharing so beautifully and openly, you know, your story. I, I'm so grateful that you lent your story uh, around your spiritual journey to the My Spiritual Friends podcast in particular, um, knowing that you haven't, you know, talked about this more broadly. And so thank you for just being open in that way. And so as we, you know, near the end of the conversation, I wanted to just hear about what you're working on or what you're resting on, you know, at this point um, in your life. I love that. What I'm working on, what I'm resting on. Um, well, my mantra for this year is let it be easy, nothing to prove. And so I feel mm. like a lot of the lessons that I shared earlier are really the universe reminding me, like, remember the intention this year was ease, not like doing more, (laughs) not showing off. Um, And for me, I think that looks like leaning on the things that I've already created and deepening into those instead of only feeling like I need to create new things. So that's like the book, which has like the whole process started at the end of 2020 and it's just finally out in the world. And Mm -hmm. the ADHD in me wants to be like onto the next thing, but it's like, oh no, let's, let's acknowledge that like people are having their first experience with this thing, even though your first experience was a while ago. Mm -hmm. Um, And then last year we created a group coaching program or I created a group coaching program for inner workout and we're going to run that again this summer. And again, my tendency is like, Oh, we need a completely new thing. And there are tweaks Mm. that we're making, but to be able to say, no, I made this thing and it's good enough. Mm -hmm. And I can put this out into the world without needing to redo it or make something bigger and better is Mm. counterintuitive to me. Yes, I totally feel you on that. I totally feel you on that. And also, I was wondering, have you ever looked into your human design? 
Oh, yeah. I am a 1-3 generator. I am a quadruple split, so everything in me is defined except for my head or my crown, which also makes Mm. a lot of sense because I always have a million ideas, and Mm. my work is also not executing on every single idea I have. Mm. I love that. I'm also a 1-3. So, oh, you get it. <laughs> yes, we have that in common. I was hearing some some commonalities there. I'm a manifesting generator, so I have to pause often when the inspiration strikes <laughs> or when something, you know, feels like a, a sacral yes. I have to pause for a second just to double check. And informing is a big is a big thing for me, and it's something that I do very naturally. Like before I ever even moved to. Um, LA I was telling people in 2019 I moved in and actually a year ago here but I was telling people in 2019 um this is me just like being open about my intuition and not caring if it made sense to people but I was like yeah I think I'm gonna sell my place and move but I don't know where I'm moving (laughs) and this was in 2019 I would say this just openly I'm like yeah I just have this feeling I'm gonna sell my place but I don't know where I'm (laughs) (laughs) so it's just kind of funny but informing is a is a big thing um or like a big part of my I guess process so I love that um that you're into that as well I love that so much um yeah and so I definitely want to make sure people know how to take advantage of all of the beautiful things that you are deepening into. So we'll make sure to link to everything that you, you know, want people to know about in the show notes, of course. And yeah, is there anything else you want to leave us with before before we conclude? I think just like a reminder and an invitation to like root back into your inner wisdom. Like that's always the goal. That's always the work. Yes. Yes. And that reminder is always welcome here. So thank you for that. And thank you for your light and for showing up the way you do. This has been so beautiful and I am excited to stay connected and to continue following your journey. Thank you so much, Shelby. Thank you. Hey. Thanks so much for listening to my spiritual friends from Worthy Well. If you enjoyed the conversation, be sure to leave a review and hit the follow button to be notified about new episodes. You can follow me on Instagram at Shelby Renee Giles. And to keep up with Worthy Well, join the list at worthywell.co. Until next time, journey well. <laughs>